Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about Easter and letting go of old so new life can be expressed. This post is entitled, On the Third Day, and it's been shared on Thursday, April 6th, 2023. Easter weekend is again upon us. It's hard to believe that three years have passed since the world went into hibernation and our lives were forever changed by COVID-19. As is often my practice during the season of Lent, I fasted on Ash Wednesday and have chosen to abstain from many of the toxic things that I regularly put into my body for the last six weeks. Since I was a kid, I have been giving up desserts and sweets usually for the Lenten season. This year, a much more expansive approach was in order, having exaggerated some of my unhealthy lifestyle habits since COVID showed up. For the past six weeks, I've focused on sleep, meditation, hydration, and exercise. And I've chosen to expel sugary products, alcohol, meat, and most animal products from my daily intake. I've chosen to walk this path with my partner, and we are starting to chat about what Easter Sunday holds for us. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we do to maintain a healthier balance with these habits that we enjoy, but that in excess are harmful to our magnificent bodies? Now that we're in the home stretch, it's starting to get fun to think about all the goodies that will be back on the menu as of Sunday, April 9th. For me, that will certainly include a Reese's peanut butter egg, and a glass of robust red wine with Easter dinner. Intentional practices of discipline aside, there are some strong spiritual currents that run through my life around this time of year. 
It's a time of deep reflection. It's a process of letting go of the winter season and looking around the landscape for signs of new life. This part of the country, the Northeast, is overflowing with nature's promise to deliver warmer temperatures, softer breezes, and bountiful blossoms of life's expressions bursting out of Mother Earth. It's a time of year when what's happening in my heart and what's happening all around me seem totally in sync. So while I look forward to indulging in some of my unhealthy habits, for me this weekend is actually more about seeds sprouting. It's about rising out of the gray, dampened, hardened ground, and watching all the seeds that have patiently waited through winter's torment to seek the sunlight and rise. For me, this weekend is about hope. It's about the kind of hope that evolves out of devastation, barren landscape, frozen ground, and apathy. It's the promise of what is possible if we can hold on through the storms and the freezing temperatures long enough to allow new life to burst through the ashes that are left behind by our broken hearts. I can't talk about Easter without talking about my son, Emmanuel. In 2002, my partner Ernest and I made the impossible decision to move forward with an early delivery of our son because prenatal tests were repeatedly telling us that his body was in terrible duress and not forming in such a way that his life could be sustained by his body. After losing our daughter, Alexis, in 1997 to bone marrow disease, we were struggling at that time to get our then three-year-old Zachary into a healthy and stable state. He had been affected by the same disease as his sister had been. And when we received the repeated results and confirmations that our son in utero was failing to thrive, we made the unthinkable choice to set his tiny spirit free. I remember feeling like I could not ask another little one to brave this world in a broken body solely because my deepest desire as a human was to have life be born and thrive through me. So I checked myself into the hospital with the support of my medical team, partner, and family, and waited for Emmanuel to be born. What followed was perhaps the most agonizing week of my life. My own medical status was rocky, and at times my family wondered if I would even survive. I was not permitted to eat or drink for six full days as my body body continuously rejected the pharmacological efforts to induce labor. And then on day six, Emmanuel drew his very first breath, and a short time later, Drew his last. Hours later, when they started to push me in the wheelchair 
out of the room where Emmanuel had finally been born and died. I vividly remember putting my hand on the doorstop and saying, I can't. I was petrified of what was waiting for me outside of that room and how I could continue a life that wouldn't include our precious son. And with good reason. Learning to live at all after Emmanuel's birth and death would be far different from any pain I'd ever experienced, including the loss of our daughter Alexis. And only recently, 21 years later, am I able to truly understand that there was no shame in that decision to set his spirit free. I now know deeply that it was actually the most courageous thing I could have done, given the circumstances, and that I do not need to hide this part of myself because I've already worn out people's compassion with my daughter dying. Strange, isn't it? I literally felt like I couldn't share Emmanuel's place in my life because I'd already exhausted what I perceived to be a limited supply of compassion from people around me. I felt as if I'd already drained that unconditional love with one dying child and another one with complex medical and intellectual complications. It was as if I felt there was only so much sympathy to go around and I'd worn well through what was available to me. If you have even a sense of how isolating and shameful this was for me, you, in all capitals, are the reason I'm opening up today. It's good news, because there is no limit on the rising, expanding geyser of love and compassion that others are capable of sharing, no matter how many tragedies have befallen us. We are not bad luck. We are not destined for suffering. We are not faulty, and we are not alone. It is only in sharing our experiences and letting others embrace our pain along with us that we can start to heal. And all of this time later, I am no longer brought to my knees with pain, shame, and regret that I wasn't tough enough to try and see Emmanuel through a full gestation. Now, when people ask me about my children, I openly share that we lost two baby children. I give them and myself the respect that we deserve for having the courage to go so far in our aggregate pursuit of having a family that I nearly lost my own life. I do not hide, and I no longer shiver in deafening silence, wishing I could have been different or done something else. I simply look outside and notice the cherry blossoms, which always bloom around this time of year. With each floating petal, I remember with reverence our son Emmanuel and how tender and tiny he was. I comfort myself 
by thinking about the circles and cycles of life. And when I see the new buds of flowers reaching strongly up through the earth to again touch the sunshine that nourishes us all, I know that I, too, am reaching. I am stretching and looking for the light. In a sense, we are all just seeds trying to become the fullest expression of life that is potentially alive in each of us. So, going to the title of this post, if on the third day, Jesus Christ truly rose again, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Because it is only through death that new life can be born. And although we don't get to choose what our time in these human bodies exactly looks like, we do get to decide whether we will choose to embrace and nurture the seeds of life within us or keep them under the frozen ground for fear that they are faulty, too much, or just plain wrong. On this Easter weekend, no matter what religious faith you may practice, if any, let's all take a deep breath and give thanks for the macro and microcosms that are our lives, our children's lives, and the life of this majestic planet. You may not think they're connected, but if you take off your shoes and walk in the cool, newly formed grass and breathe in the air that has been cleansed by the trees for us, you might be tempted to change your mind. Peace and blessings to all for a safe, healthy, and connected experience of resurrection and what that may mean to each of us individually. Let us be reminded of the circle of life and remember that all of life's expressions are included therein. May we feel a sense of belonging and bask in the blossoming of seeds that have been planted. We are not so different from those spring buds reaching for the sky. And sharing in the post, there are two additional posts that I have written about Emmanuel's life and death, and they are linked in the post. The first um, was written on April 6, 2021, entitled When the Candle Burns Out. And the last was written last year, 4622, and it's entitled Emmanuel. So please check those out if interested. So thanks again for checking out this episode of the Healing Path Podcast. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, you know, speak openly about Emmanuel. Um, I have shared in the past that actually after I delivered him, I went back to work as a PICU nurse and um, continue to work in the surrounding units. Pretty much we're all on the same floor. And so, for example, the elevator that I would ride um, to go to work every night when I was working nights was the same elevator that I rode up to deliver a manual. And it was the same one that I rode down when I was in that wheelchair. Um, and I've 
often regretted that I chose to continue to put myself in that situation because I had no privacy to grieve. And certainly it was public knowledge that I had been pregnant and that I was no longer pregnant. So that was really hard for me. Um, But I've moved out of the lamenting of choices and into just this deep knowing that this was the most courageous thing that um, we could have chosen and that I didn't cop out somehow. And it's amazing what our brains will do to us. I can't even imagine if someone that I cared about shared this experience with me, if they had had something similar and my response would have been something along the lines of, you should be ashamed of yourself or boy, I guess you took the easy way out or, you know, we hold some standards when it comes to our own lives that just aren't loving and that aren't compassionate. So I do feel like some of the work I've been doing helps to un- helps me to understand the differences between my losses. It's so easy to kind of lump grief and grief pain into one category, which is, you know, this sucks. Um, yes, it does, but they're different experiences and they're as unique as the lives that they involved, um, that were involved with them. So if you, you know, if you had a miscarriage or if you lost, you know, different people that were close to you at different stages of life, don't feel that you have to lump them all into one, you know, day of the year that you get to experience the pain. Our relationships with our loved ones can continue far beyond um, the body-to-body experience through spiritual um, work and guidance and focus. And um, I have found that to be just a major part of my own ability to heal and what comes out of that. And it's so much work and it's so painful. But what comes out of that is for me to be able to say on this day, 21 day, twenty-one years after the fact of his birth and death, that I do know that I did the loving thing and that allows me peace. And that's why we come back to these topics, even though they're so painful and difficult to sort out. It's worth it because the peace that we can reach, it it is such a relief. The pain of not having my son in my life will never go away. But the suffering that I was fanning the flames for by feeling guilty and shameful and like I should have been stronger or done something different, um, those have fallen to the side, and I'm grateful for that. So as we go into Easter weekend, I would just encourage um, going along with the spirit of this kind of seeds analogy and new life and letting go, is there something that we need to let go of? And this is a question for within. This is not a question for us to ask one another. But um, I do remember, and I've blogged about this too, years ago when I was out west in Wyoming um, going through Yosemite National Park, they were talking about the um, the high pines and how the branches on the lower parts of the pine, once they take more um, energy and nutrients from the trunk of the tree, then they can contribute back to the earth. They fall away. So what you have are these just thousands of these big, tall, um, evergreen trees with 
low area, the lower areas being kind of barren because as the tree grows taller and the only way that it can grow taller is by letting go of those things that are taking more from us than they can give back. And I, I remember just being so, you know, moved by this kind of an analogy. And so I would invite, you know, you to, to give this some thought now, what are some of the things that, you know, what are some of those branches for you that aren't serving your potential anymore? It doesn't mean that they were never important or that they never contributed much. But what it means is that if we hang on to these dead branches that are giving us, you know, not helping to nurture our lives in any way, and they're not contributing in any way, then we um, prevent our ability to rise higher because we're kind of hunched over and, and letting these trees drain the life out of, these branches drain the life out of us. So I hope you can follow that analogy. Um, but we do really want to ask ourselves this question, and what is no longer serving my potential? What is no longer nurturing me? What is no longer making the world a better place than when I you know, started doing this one potential thing or honing this skill? And then the other question would be, what might be waiting to spring from the ground? If we have the courage to truly um, release, I don't want to say let go of, because we're not letting go necessarily of something as much as we're allowing the release of pain or the release of something that is weighing us down. And when we release those things, you know, think about what might be waiting. Is there some new relationship, some new job, some new idea, a new book, a prayer, a cause, a volunteer um, situation? Is there something that's just trying to come up out of the frozen ground in your life that has the potential to bring real life and love to the world? that cannot come up until we make some room for it. And this gets back to the idea of the resurrection and the idea that it is only through death that new life can form. And we see that all across nature, all across the you know religious books of our world. And we know that if we just make a little bit of space for something new to arise, we might just be surprised. And in a sense, what do we really have to lose? If these branches aren't nurturing us anyway, and they're just taking us or taking our energy, then let's have the courage to let them go and see what else our core, what else our tree trunks have in store as they rise. Happy, happy Easter to all. And I, I, you know, always thank you for listening. These are very sensitive topics and um, I appreciate the opportunity to flex my courage muscles and um, share some of these things that I kept really deep and hidden for, you know, probably two decades. So happy Easter. Thanks again for listening. And until we meet again, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful and to stay healing. And let's make sure to try to let go of those things that are no longer serving us and keeping us from seeing what else we may have to offer the world.